Slava Bohu. Praise the Lord. I trust our audio operators, video operators will put the number on the screen. And as we prepare to listen to this sermon, to the word from the scripture, uh, you may keep in touch with us. You may uh, text your uh, needs, your praise reports. This phone number that you see on the screen, it's anonymous. It's nobody's number. It's reserved specifically for us to stay in touch and to pray for each other. If you're still standing, you may be seated. Uh, you know what I like about this time? Uh, there's uh, quite a lot of things that you need to make yourself like about the time when you're in quarantine. And one of the things is that when we worship the Lord, we do it in humility. And we do it not for the people in audience because we understand that you can stop us anytime. You can rewind, you can skip, you can just not even turn on the worship that you uh, don't want to. And that is great because that's completely God's providence if you're listening right now. Uh, this is completely God's plan for you to stay with us because right now nobody can force you to watch this video or these sermons or come to youth service. It's the Holy Spirit that works in your heart, in my heart. And I'm telling you, this is one of the things that I'm learning at this time, to be humble before the Lord, to be patient, to be uh, trusting all my uh, problems uh, before Him. What a wonderful passage that we read today. It was planned um, months before this night, and I believe that the Holy Spirit actually knew that date when we need to read this scripture. The 14th chapter of John describes events that are actually happened before Easter. <clears throat> Whether you celebrate Easter this weekend or not, events and the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples took place a few days before he was taken and crucified. And this week is actually what we celebrate, what we remember about him. So chapter 14 is Jesus uh, before his disciples, with his disciples. And it reminds me of another situation that just recently happened. Jesus, teacher, his disciples, students. And on March 12th, at least in our state, in the Washington state, we had an announcement from the governor saying that in a few days, all schools will be shut down. Similarly to our situation, Jesus told his disciples a few more hours, a couple more days, and things will change in your life. And the circumstances that you are going to be in are not going to be fun, but don't be troubled. And so today's message is for you and for me, don't lose heart, don't be troubled. Chapter 14 is when Jesus continues his uh, conversation with the uh, disciples. And he says, I'll read again from uh, the first few verses. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he goes on and uh, one of his disciples says, <clears throat> Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know what the future is going to be like. 
Like I said a few weeks ago, we didn't know what the future is going to be like. We still don't know what the future is going to be like. But now we feel it. We, we never know what tomorrow's day is going to bring for us. But now we go through this and we feel like we need to trust the Lord. And so Thomas, one of the disciples, says, Lord, uh, please show us the way. Give us some heads up what's going to happen. And then later on in this conversation, another student of Jesus Christ says, uh, we want to know the Father. We, now we realize that the main thing in this world is the Father. Not being in the kingdom, not being in, in the power, we want to know the Father. Because if we know the Father, we have everything. And Jesus says, I am. And this is our sixth time, sixth youth service, when we look at this expression, I am. Because when Jesus says, I am, he shows his identity. He tries to explain what he is like as God and as a person, pers person that can relate to us. His identity is really complex and, and it's hard to understand with just one comparison. But today we will look at the uh, statement that he made and he said, I am the way. Okay, say with me, I am the way. That's what Jesus says. So we'll pay attention to three parts that Jesus makes in one statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let's start with the first one, I am the way. In the book of Acts, believers began to, be, to bear the name of the Christ. They were called Christians. The Bible says that in the Antioch, the city, uh, the ancient city, at the first time, Christians began to be called Christians. However, before that, before they even you know, got that name or nickname at that point, um, do you know what they were called? And the scripture is pretty clear saying that they were followers of the way. In Acts chapter 9 verse 10, it says that Saul, the future apostle Paul, asked for letters from him, from the high priest to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. This is a very interesting expression because I wouldn't uh, call, in my human wisdom, I wouldn't call Jesus Christ the way, you know, the path. Uh, yet he himself, he called himself the way. And the question is why? I understand that there are three components. If you have your um, apps or if you have the outline, uh, for the first part, the way we have three components, and they are as following. Long trip, one way, and recommended speed. Okay, uh, No jokes here. This is pretty serious stuff, but let's focus at the first part. When we think of a way, when we think of the way, we need to understand that it's not just one moment in life. It's not just one point in life it's the process it's the trip and it's a long trip i'm thinking about the trip that we had with our family a couple years ago first of all we planned for that trip second honest we didn't expect so many different hardships and things that would happen on the way 
And when Jesus called himself away, he implied commitment. He didn't call himself, uh, he didn't give just, you know, another 10 commandments or give a plan and said, you read this and you will understand me. He said, it's the way. You're not going to understand me in one day, in a week. You have to travel this path. You have to live with me. It implies commitment. You have to be prepared. You have to work hard. You have to travel. You have to be consistent and you have to endure. And that's what I experience even right now. I have to be patient sometimes. There's sometimes a stop on the way where I have to, I, I cannot move on. I just have to wait for him. At other times, I need to move and not be lazy. And so when he says, I'm the way, he gives me a sense of direction. There's a song, One Way, Jesus. I'm not a big fan of the group that sings that song, but I think that lyrics of that song are really to the point. Jesus is one direction, one way. The way is not a field. It's not just an area or parking lot where you can make circles. It's one direction. You cannot go and move forward and backwards at the same time. You need to travel the same direction. So many people, even right now, they lost this sense of purpose, sense of direction in life. All those distractions, all those things that they had fun with, they're gone. They're removed. And now we need to turn to Jesus. We need to turn to him because he has that sense of purpose for, for us. He said, I am the way. I can show you uh, where to go in your life. And then the recommended speed, what I want to just remind that, on the way, you're not supposed to build any permanent dwellings or things or you, you need to, maybe sometimes you need to slow down, but you need to progress. Check your life. Are you moving forward? Or are you at the same place as if it was yesterday or the month before or a couple years ago? There has to be an evidence of your spiritual growth, of your relationship being stronger. You moved certain distance. There has to be a change in your life. And I'm trying, not trying to point fingers or, or condemn anyone. I'm just praying that God will work in your life as he's working in my life. And he prompts me to get up and move on. And these hardships, whatever they are at this point, not necessarily the quarantine. This might not be actually too much of a hardship. It's, sometimes it's just fun, right? But if you are going through the hard times in your life, if you have more questions than answers, you need to know that God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He wants you to get up and move on. Amen? God bless you. Next thing that Jesus says, <clears throat> he says, I am the truth. And I have a question for you. Um, how do you know if you have the truth? The truth with the capital T, as we Christians claim to uh, know the truth, the absolute truth. What is it? When somebody asks me about certain things in life, can I confidently say that I know the truth? truth. 
Lots of people ask uh, questions right now about what's appropriate for the church, what's appropriate for the pastors to do at this time, how should we continue serving God, what's going to be in the future, maybe we should change the way we worship God, and so on and so forth. And th those questions are good. I cannot answer all of them. But I have some things that the scripture teaches us about Jesus being the truth and what that practically means in our daily lives. So that truth, uh, people say everyone has their truth, right? You have your truth, I have my truth, and, and we live in this postmodernism, and we live this, uh, this time when people claim to know certain things, and they say, well, I just feel like that, so it must be true for me. However, however again, at times when things are being shaked and, and uh, things change and there's nothing reliable, uh, people start asking questions like, well, really, uh, there must be something outside there, outside of my, uh, you know, frame of thinking or my mindset and my truth. There has to be something more reliable. Good thing the Bible says that, yes, there is something unshakable, something that is real truth. And I want to focus on three points, main points about the truth. First of all, the truth is transformational. Second, it's powerful. And thirdly, it's unshakable. All these words are very important. John chapter 8, verses 31-32, same book of John, just a few chapters before. Jesus is teaching his disciples. He talks to the believers and those Jews who believed in him came to him. They were happy to listen to him, to learn from him. And Jesus says in uh, chapter 8, verses 31, 32, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Truth will make you free. The truth that comes from God is not a concept or a knowledge only. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, in the knowledge, in the letter of the word, if you read it, then the next step, there will be a point when something more than the word that you read the word that you repeat, the word that you think about, more than that, more than just a knowledge, more than just a sermon or devotion on the morning. The truth, God himself, in other places, John writes to, in, in his uh, epistle, 1 John, he says that the Holy Spirit is the truth. So that truth will make you free. I don't know about your understanding of the truth, but if it's not changing your life, if it's not transforming your life, if you're not getting better in a sense of more like Jesus, you are not really having the truth. And it's not my words. It's what the scripture says. Jesus said, I am the truth. Again, it's about relationships. It's not just about like, okay, let me choose the right direction. Let me just read the right uh, passages. Pray how much time? Uh, 15 minutes. Okay, that's cool. And that's all. No. 
He wants you to have relationships. He wants you to know personally Him. And I'm not trying to be heretical or anything, but I know that I personally have some revelations that only to me God revealed in His Jesus Christ. Okay? They do not contradict His Word, but they, they are not for you. They are not for my family. They are not for my parents or for my children. They are for me because God has, he has business with me personally. And so God's truth is transformational. Truth, second thing, makes you love the Father more and more. The more I see God's beauty, the more I see his wisdom, the more I fall in love with him. If I learn more stuff and it does not make me love the Father more than yesterday, it's not the truth. The scripture says you can have all the knowledge in the word and good knowledge. It doesn't mean that you can have like, you know, waste, waste your time and, and get a lot of numbers in your head. It says you can have the knowledge. You can have the right knowledge, but you don't have love God is love, relationships. You don't know anything. And so if you spend time with your Father, if you spend time with Jesus Christ in prayer, in meditation, recently I couldn't fall asleep. This happens rarely, but I was laying in my bed. And I think for hours, maybe two, three hours, I was thinking about certain concepts in the Bible that were like, like something pleasant coming inside of my heart. And, and those are relationships that God wants to have with us. We want to love God more and more. And there's another thing is that God teaching us, it's in Hebrew chapter 1, uh, verse 9. When he speaks of Jesus, he says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness. 1.9, you have loved righteousness. It's about Jesus, but it's also applicable to my life. And Jesus, you hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, Father, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. So recently, I'm thinking, I was thinking about these, these words, and I'm like, okay, God, I want to love you more. But I can't really hate some sins. I can't really hate some habits, some, you know, like a time when you're, you're isolated, quarantined. Those, like, nasty things that you would normally cover up, they just, just come out of you. And I'm like, well, and technically I don't really mind having them, okay? That self-pity and, and, and some stuff that I enjoy, those little idols, how do I hate them? And the thing is that Jesus knew the truth. When you know the truth, you know the truth not only about God and your relationships with him. You know the truth about the sin. You know the comprehensive, complete truth. Because the truth, lopsided truth, is not going to free you or deliver you from the sin. You need to know how the sin is nasty, ugly, abominable and 
we need to understand that Satan is a liar. He tries to cover up stuff. We need the truth. We need the light of the truth to shine and show that, that nasty face, that nasty side of the sin, the true essence of the sin. And when I see that, of course, I hate it. And David says, I really hate with all outmost hatred. So the truth of the Lord is powerful. Because it gives you more love to the Father and it gives you more hate to the sin and to the enemy of God. Praise God. Truth is eternal and unshakable. And I want to um, actually focus on this for a couple minutes. But uh, if you have your Bibles, um, chapter 12 of the same Hebrews. I'm looking at the Hebrews. It's wonderful a wonderful eschatological book in the Bible. Technically, it's not eschatological, but there's a lot of eschatological um, truths, doctrines in, in this uh, book. So Hebrews chapter 12. I hope you found it. I'll read from verse 26 to 28. And God's voice shook the earth then, when the Moses and Israelites were in the desert. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. What a wonderful expression and description of what's happening these days. The whole earth is shaken. Verse 27, this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, created by people, okay? So they are shaken. So that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude or have gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Listen, God promised. It's not like maybe it happens. God promised. I'm going to shake everything up. I remember in 1993, long time ago, last century, last millennium, as soon as, you know, we got this charismatic movement in, in Ukraine, in 1993, they had a, a, a festival that, that was uh, called Shake Hallelujah. And you know, it was a lot of fun. It was new, you know, the worship style, all these new songs, all the, all the stuff. Shake hallelujah. Maybe people thought, you know, about joy for God. I don't know. But when God shakes stuff up, it's not fun. And he just started, just, just a little bit, started shaking this earth. And he said, in the last days, I'm going to shake not only the earth, but even the heavens. I don't know what's going to happen then, but it's going to be for a purpose. When I was um, looking for some stuff, you know, I was curious about how things are checked for quality, for endurance here on, on the earth, you know, in our country, in the countries. And I was checking, you know, on things like, you know, um, machines or uh, equipment, endurance tests, stuff like that. And I was uh, watching some clips on how, uh, don't get distracted, don't check on that stuff right now, okay? Uh, I, I know what you think right now, okay? So listen to the end of the sermon. If you're really curious like myself, you can do it later. 
So when, when people check on the durability, on the quality of certain things, let's say trucks, they shake them violently. You know, they, they test them, they crash them, they, they do all kinds of stuff. And um, I found one very interesting thing, how they check for endurance and durability of the nuclear flasks. I, I, I didn't even know about, you know, existence of such stuff. But there's, turns out there's... There are containers, they're called nuclear flasks, uh, that are used to transport radioactive material from one point to another point. And that's logical, that makes sense. You know, you can't just pour some uranium in a, in a container and, and travel with it uh, on the truck. So a long time ago, long time, you know, 40 years ago, they started making these really durable containers. I want to say metal because they look like metal. But I don't know what they are made of. I didn't really do the research. The point is they would drop them uh, against hard surface. They would crash them. They would load them on the truck, you know, in, and uh, with those rocket uh, engines, whatever, they would send them in the desert and crash them at the speed of uh, 60 miles per hour, 100 miles, to kind of replicate what could happen in real life if, you know, the truck was uh, carrying that or transporting that nuclear flask. And the, the wonderful thing, the cool stuff uh, about that is that they even, in 1984, they even loaded, like, the whole train with, uh, like, three or four cars, train cars, and that they... Um, they crashed that train against this flask. Before that, they, they actually checked the, the, the pressure, the inside pressure of that flask. And after the test, it's, you know, the truth, not the capital truth, uh, they checked the difference and there was insignificant difference. Like, really, there, there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. So, for... For years now, they transport. They made certain like number, like thousands of these trips with the real nuclear uh, or radioactive material inside of these flasks, flasks, and they mm, transport them from one point to another, to Japan, to to other places. Now, the point is that if you want to check something for durability. Uh, you have to shake things around. You have to make all other things show what, the, what it, they are made of. And God says, I will shake this earth. All things that were created by people will just fall apart. It's not so much fun. You know, we live in this world that's going to be shaken. And it's already shaken. But I'm glad that God is so merciful he shows so much gratitude, she so, shows so much grace to us, and He prepares us for these times. My friend, hold on to Jesus. He's the truth. In the same book of Hebrews, He says that, he says that we are not shaking for the destruction because we believe in him we have this righteousness from him when all other stuff shakes we also shake a little bit but we do not we do not have a future where we'll fall and crash and die and lastly very quickly i will touch on the last concept life i know the next time and please make sure to come next time and watch our youth. We will talk about the 
uh, vine. Jesus being the vine. He said, I'm the vine. The concept of life is really good, uh, well illustrated by that last I am. However, I want to point out three things again about Jesus being the life. First of all, it's a fragile concept. It's the fragile life. Um, I got to think, I, I think that I have most of the time this understanding of Jesus being powerful, God being powerful, and that's true. But at the same time, his life is so gentle. We cannot joke around with that treasure that God gave us and put in our hearts. We need to make sure that we, uh, we uh, have reverence. We have special love to God that is not, not reserved to any person on this earth. We need to understand that it's a real person, Jesus, who shed real blood, who went through real pain and torments and tortures for you personally. And that's the truth about him being alive. And as, as soon as we cut ourselves from that life, it's like that branch that is cut off the vine and we don't have any, we might have symptoms of life. We might, you know, this is a bad example probably, but bad illustration. But if a dead person lies, you know, scientists say that hair and nails still grow for a couple more days. You know, sometimes we still go through motions and something still kind of, you know, resembles the true life. But we need so much that, that heartbeat all the time. God I treasure that life. I, I don't want to get in, in a place where I can lose that life or be separated from you. Second point about Jesus being the life. He is, the, he is life that is enough for me. Somebody said, what's the opposite of more? And I thought less. You know, more or less. But that, that preacher, I remember who that person was, but he said, no, it's not. The opposite of more is enough. Okay? Not going to another extreme, but knowing that it's enough. With Jesus, you have enough. Okay? We tend to get more and more stuff, more excited stuff, better restaurant, better vacation, better trip. And now we just, just all those things disappeared. And now we feel like we don't have something. That's great. Good news. We need Jesus. Because with Jesus, we have enough for ourselves. And on a practical side, when you're going to get married, when you move on in your life, that's a very important point for your wife, for your husband. If you don't know, guys, what is enough for you, there will be friction. There will be really big tension because one person thinks, I need more of this, I need more of this, I need more of this. We need to know that limit. With Jesus, we know the boundaries. And lastly, on the concept of life, the life with God is going counterintuitively or goes against our logic. The longer we live here on this earth, the more we get older and you are not going to be young forever on this earth but the scripture says that with god 
we become younger, stronger, more full of this life. So when Jesus says, I'm the life, he also says that we should not lose heart because though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. This is the life that is different from any concept on this earth. People are trying to get there. People, people are trying, I was reading this article where they said, just recent article, that they were feeding these nine or ten people with uh, growth hormone and two diabetes, uh, some kind of drugs, and they were, were giving them, them these cocktails for a certain number of days or months, and they noted that the biological clock of those people was reversed, and technically they became younger. Friends, it's just, it's just so temporary. It's just, just a futile attempt to do something that really does not give life. Jesus is the true life. And so to summarize all this, when Jesus was looking in the eyes of his frustrated, maybe scared disciples, he said, don't be troubled. I know, I know it's going to be hard, but I know and I am the way. I can show you the direction. Direction is pointing to the Father. I will tell you what's the real truth, unshakable truth, truth that is changing your life. And I will be that life for you. You will get stronger with me. You will go through these hardships. You will have more joy. You will have more power. You will have more blessing for your life. And so I would like to invite you for the prayer at this time. I would like to pray with you that God will continue this relationship, building this relationship with you. He wants that. Do you want that? Let's pray together.